At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh. Check it out now. Uh. No doubt now. Ladies and gentlemen, he is the founder of Football Outsiders, the site that started all football analytics. You can follow him on Twitter at F-O underscore A-Shots. That's S-C-H-A-T-Z. Ladies and gentlemen, the aforementioned Aaron Schatz. How you doing, Aaron? Hey, I'm good, man. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. Uh, I know we want to get to season win totals, but I would be remiss if I didn't play this 10 seconds for you and get your reaction, which I'm sure you have one, too. Well, it's not so much the probability. It'll be more so how I feel at that point about going for it. I know analytics has those things out there. Uh, we are, we do have access to all of that. But I'm old school in a way that, you know, when, I, when we're playing, if I'm not feeling it, we're not doing it. So regardless of what that chart says. Texans head coach David Culley on his thoughts on what he'll do on fourth downs regarding Aaron analytics. Just want to point that out. Oh, by the way, here is your reaction on Twitter, but you can expound expound on this. Have you thought about occasionally feeling it? You said David Cully, rather than using, quote, I'm not feeling it as the default. <laughs> Continue, yeah. sir. So the problem is that coaches default to punting and then say, well, you know, I know we have access to analytics, but I wasn't feeling it this time. They never say, I went for it, even though analytics said I should punt because I was feeling it this time. Like, very the true. Gut, the gut is only used as an excuse in one direction. The gut is used as an excuse to not understand the analytics. So, like, so it's true. okay to sometimes use your gut and say, okay, I think based on the way things are going with the team, this is not a good time to. Go for it. But you do that occasionally. You don't do that every single time. If your gut says the same thing every time, you're not really using your gut, are you? David Cully and Dan Campbell promising us such good stuff. 
for the 2021 NFL season. Cannot wait. As far as I know, give Dan Campbell credit. As far as I know, Dan Campbell has not said anything about wanting to punt all the time on fourth down. That, so give he's said him a that. lot of weird stuff. Yes. Give him that. All right, Aaron. Uh, it's great to see you because we get to talk a little season win totals. Uh, let's just talk about a, a few of your favorite or maybe a couple of your favorite unders on the season as you see it through the lens of your numbers. Sure. I mean, the, the team that I think we're most under on compared to Vegas is the Los Angeles Chargers. Um, everybody is expecting a big second year leap from Justin Herbert. And we went back and looked at some of the best uh, quarterback, rookie quarterbacks of the last 35 years. And they didn't tend to take second year leaps because they were already so good. In fact, on average, those quarterbacks were actually a little worse in their second year. And the Chargers defense, people are expecting that Brandon Staley is going to turn it into last year's Rams defense, but they have a different personnel and they are starting from a very different point. The Rams were an above average defense already before Staley turned them into one of the best defenses in the league. And the Chargers are a below-average defense. So uh, we have the Chargers as 7.3 average wins in our simulations. They also have a difficult schedule, by the way. And uh, that's, I think, the strongest under that we have. Wow, sounds like it. Uh, it's at 9.5. The under is juiced, so it's not exactly 9.5. But uh, 7.23, was it? Wow. Um, 7.3, yeah. 7.3, pardon me, for the uh, Los Angeles Chargers. I'm curious, this has nothing to do with the Chargers and nothing to do with season win totals, but when you said about Justin Herbert, second year, and the drop-off, uh, and I know this is not a second-year quarterback, so I'm making a lot of little leaps in my head, but Josh Allen, like, are we convinced he's the guy now to be as accurate as we saw last year? Like, in other words, that whole thing from college and early in his pro career where it was like, oh, the accuracy, that's always going to be the bugaboo with Josh Allen. Are we convinced he's not that guy? There is a possibility, certainly, that Josh Allen had his career season last year and will never be that good again. But I think, you know, there's never been a quarterback who's improved his accuracy to quite this extent. But I think that he will stay roughly where he was last year. I don't think he's going to get any better than that. He might be a little bit, decline a little bit just because of central tendency. But um, I think he's still going to be one of the top quarterbacks in the league this year. Okay. Chargers favorite under. Let's do one more under here before the break. we got a couple minutes. What is uh, Cleveland right now in Vegas? Cleveland right now, uh, all over the place. Uh, ten and a half is where we're seeing the Browns. Of course, a 17-game season we all should keep in mind. So that is another under that we like then. They averaged 8.6 wins in our simulations. Um, remember, Cleveland last year was outscored by its opponents. Based on our DVOA ratings, Cleveland was the second worst 11-5 and team ever. And mm. some of that was like deeply packed into two early season games against the Ravens and the Steelers where they got just completely destroyed. But we went back and did research and we couldn't find any evidence that teams that had low ratings because they were destroyed in early games were better the following year than teams that had low ratings because they were just bad overall. So it's, you know, not impossible that the Browns could improve in DVOA to the point where they have a DVOA that is commensurate with 11 wins, but it's not 
completely likely. I mean, I know that they've added talent this year, but a lot of the defensive talent they've added, they also lost a lot of defensive talent. There's no more Sheldon Richardson. There's no more Larry Ogunjobi, no more Olivier Vernon. Everybody's expecting Jadavian Clowney to come in and be the Jadavian Clowney we all thought he was when he was taken number one overall, not the Jadavian Clowney we've actually seen the last couple of years. Just for giggles, uh, what was the worst 11-5 team per DVOA, historically? Uh, the two, 2012 Indianapolis Colts. The 2012 Indianapolis Colts. I love the historical stuff with Aaron. Uh, remember, remember everyone, remember boys and girls, the 1991 Washington football team, the greatest team of all time, at least as far back as football outsiders go. Did we want to force another under, by the way, before we go to overs? The other one I think I mentioned is uh, the Tennessee Titans. Uh, what are they at right now on your lines? Uh, Tennessee Titans we have for the Titans, right? Boy, that, that's a uh, that's right. Well, last I saw was 10. What is it, guys, right now we're seeing on the Titans? What do we have on the Tennessee Titans? We'll call it up, but go ahead. What do you have on them? I've seen, I've seen both 9.5 and, and 10 for the Titans. Yeah. They average 8.2 wins in our they average 8.2. Oh, this is nine. Okay, yeah, so it's, it's not, not as quite as good a bet, but at plus 115, that's kind of nice. Yeah, I was going to say nine, um, but heavily juiced to the over at minus 140, yeah. The Titans were 14th in DVOA last year, despite being 11 and five. And they have the worst projected defense in the league by our numbers. And the offense, yes, they added Julio Jones, but they subtracted Corey Davis and Jonu Smith. Um. And they lost Arthur Smith, their offensive coordinator, who was a huge motivator behind the improvement of the offense two years ago. So we like, I mean, we feel that that's a weak division overall. We think that's possible that the winner of that division is only going to have like nine wins. Uh, so it might be Tennessee, but we, we, we have Tennessee as under. Tennessee under, but definitely the third of the three, Chargers and Browns. A little more conviction from the Football Outsiders numbers. Let's shift to your favorite season win totals overs. And I caught uh, the conversation between you and Jason, um, my producer, Jason Kahn. So I think so. I think I know where you're going with this. There it is. It flashes up on screen. The Minnesota Vikings, who are at nine themselves, Aaron. Okay, so that's a little higher than I had seen them at before. So this over is not quite as strong, but Minnesota has a lot of reasons to believe they're going to rebound this year. They were very bad last year in a lot of stats that tend to regress towards the mean. For example, special teams, injuries, particularly on defense, uh, third downs compared to first and second down, like they were really bad on third, and that tends to regress towards your overall performance. So if you can get them at 8.5, I would rather do that than nine, but I do like Minnesota over this year. All right. So if you can find at eight and a half, the over uh, a little more tepid at the nine. All right. What's number two in the overs, the new England Patriots. Oh, uh, this is another one that I've seen at nine and I'd rather take nine than 9.5, but we, I would still go over on that 9.5. Uh, we have a stat that goes back in history and measures uh, for defense, our defensive projections that measures defensive talent coming in and out of your team. And the Patriots this year have the most added defensive talent on net of any team since at least 2003. So we think their defense is going to rebound big time. Their offense probably will still be below average. But they have the easiest expected schedule in the league. 
So when you combine that with the likely improvement on defense, we like the over. Uh, but again, I'd rather take nine than 9.5 because then you get the, the push at nine and eight. But uh, we like the over. We like the Patriots to make the playoffs and uh, and have a winning record this year. You are a uh, New England Patriots fan, by the way. People should know he doesn't let his fanhood uh, pollute his numbers. Um is your sense from all of your uh, intimacy with that uh, franchise and your knowledge of Bill Belichick that he would start Mac Jones if he felt like it, or do you think it's going to be Cam week one? Well, if he feels like it, but I mean, I think that Belichick, listen, we've never seen him with the rookie quarterback, right? So we don't have any experience with that. But in general, he has tended to not play rookies right away unless he really had to. So my guess is that Mac Jones comes in in midseason. Uh, if Newton is playing well, then we may not see Mac Jones at all. If Newton gets hurt or Newton is mediocre, if Newton is dragging down a really good defense, I do not think that Belichick would hesitate to pull the plug and put in Mac Jones. But my guess is it's Newton week one. I know how much you love preseason football talk, Aaron, but just because we're riffing here, um, Justin Fields had a great box score. Trey Lance had a great play, but other than that great play, wasn't all that great for the Niners with the Niners, a team that's actually trying to win the Super Bowl. They're not starting Trey Lance to start the season, right? They're going Jimmy G. I know that everybody feels like Lance is going to be an upgrade on Garoppolo. But the fact is that on average, rookie quarterbacks struggle on average. They are below average and Garoppolo is you would have to project the 49ers with Garoppolo to be better than the 49ers with Lance. I know people feel like Lance is a better quarterback and in the long run I'm sure that Lance is a better quarterback, but in the short term, if you're just doing statistical projections, you can't project that a rookie will be better than what Garoppolo has been over the last couple of years cuz Garoppolo's been in in production right. a top 12 quarterback. Maybe not in his abilities, but in that offense, he's been a top 12 quarterback. And the Niners play the Lions and the Eagles to start the season. Like, you've got to bank those wins. You can't risk it with a rookie quarterback. You're trying to win the Super well, Bowl. Well, I mean, the other argument would be, well, those are fine defenses to start a rookie again. You don't want to have a rookie have his first game against the Rams. But sure, the Lions, that's fine. Well, uh, well I think I, I would still, if I'm trying to compete this year, I would go Garoppolo. See, the, the distinction I make is that the Niners can actually compete for a title. And so I think you don't mess around. Whereas with the Bears, who are not, let's be realistic, competing for a title. Newsflash. No, you put Fields in right away. Oh, you do put Fields right away. See, I was going to say, I then think... you wait to week four. You let the Rams and the Browns clear, and you wait for the Lions week four. First of all, the Browns' defense is not probably as good as people think it is. Again, they lost a lot of people. They've added a lot of people, but they lost a lot of people. That was not a good defense last year. Maybe you want to keep him against away from Aaron Donald, but to be honest, I feel like the psychological difference between starting him in week one versus starting him in week two is not that big. Just let just start the rookie from week one. Just just start him in week one. Yeah. Will week one be tough? Sure. Just start him in week one. I went week four, but I understand your thinking. Interesting. Interesting that you went with uh, Justin Fields week one. All right. I, I went off off the grid there. So it's the Vikings and the Niners. One more season win total over. The Las Vegas Raiders. Oh, my goodness. The most boring team in the National Football <laughs> League. Boring how? What do you mean? What do you mean? Boring by that? in every way other than the fans sitting in the end zone. Yes. 
They are slightly above average on offense. They are slightly below average on defense. It, uh, their uh, schedule is very average. It should all add up to be very average. And very average is a sweet bet when you're getting over seven. Al Davis would have loved your commentary there on it. <laughs> What is beloved change franchise? They team colors to beige and off-white. <laughs> beige and off-white. I was telling people on primetime action last night, I, I uh, paid for a tour of Allegiant Stadium. By the way, it's gorgeous. It's absolutely gorgeous. But it was like, you know, obviously you're taking a tour of, of Allegiant Stadium. It's nothing but Raiders inundation from the, uh, from the tour guide. And it's so much, oh, silver and black, silver and black, Raiders, Raiders. And on the way out, you know, we're wearing masks. So it was super brave of me because you couldn't really tell that I was saying it. On the way out, I said, oh, you've been to one Super Bowl in 37 years. You know, just to just throw it back at the guy for a second because it was like enough of this Raiders talk for a while. I, I just, I don't see the Raiders sucking. Okay. I just think they're going to be very bland. And with an over of seven, bland is good. Aaron Schatz with his most analytical comment ever. I don't see the Raiders sucking. That's the information we come for on this show. All right, Aaron, we have a minute left. Uh, please tell everyone, first of all, you have your own football guide. How can people, there it is. Look at that. He was ready to go. Football Outsiders Almanac 2021. Oh, that is thick. Wow. It is huge. It is huge. And you get it at Amazon by searching for Football Outsiders Almanac 2021. Or go to our site and become an FO Plus subscriber, and you get the electronic version, along with picks against the spread during the season, our preseason fantasy draft tool, our in-season fantasy projections, a bunch of other fantasy tools to use during the season, and a historical stat database. How did it get so thick this year, Aaron? What happened? They're all that thick. They kill mosquitoes. They, they, they have two dual purpose. They help you win, and they kill mosquitoes. I should have gotten the hard copy when I was at D.C. That would have helped. Um, last thing, because we only have 30 seconds here. The team that you project to maybe sneak in as a wild card in either the AFC or the NFC, that would be the most surprising to folks. Isn't that still Minnesota? Okay. Yeah, Minnesota's is it, is it New Orleans, given their quarterback oh, situation? I think it it's New Orleans. Orleans. I think it's New Orleans. That might surprise Yeah, we love the people. New Orleans. Still, despite losing a couple of players, we still love the New Orleans people. Let's get to Warren Sharp from Sharp Football Analysis and from Sharp Football Stats and the author of the 2021 Pro Football Guide from Sharp Football Analysis. It is the great Warren Sharp. How you doing, Warren? Hey, Gil. I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing very well. So great to talk to you. That means it's football season. Um, there it is. There's a shot of your, your Sharp Football Analysis 2021 football preview. 462 pages, Warren. The fastest way to get smarter uh, about the 2021 pro football season. Before we get to some of your favorite season win totals, let me just sort of ask you a random question. When you were doing the research for it this year, as you do every year, but what was the one sort of stat or revelation that even surprised you? Oh, gosh, that's hard to pick a one stat. But what I can say is one of the things that stood out to me the most um, is how important good coaching is around the league. And if you look at it last season, the 2020 Browns recorded their first winning record since 2007. A big reason why the Bills won their first division championship since 1995, largely because of coaching. Those teams had the same quarterbacks. They had largely the same rosters. Uh, coaching is one of the reasons why Frank Reich has cycled through 
Carson Wentz, Nick Foles, Jacoby Brissett, Andrew Luck, Phillip Rivers, and now who knows who he might have to start the season with in just a four-year span and is still getting production out of the Indianapolis Colts. Um, it's a large reason why Tua looked so poor last season, and I think he stands for a rebound this year. It's why Drew looked Drew Locke looked even worse than what he was, and I think Drew Locke needs a lot of work, but his coaching did him no favor. So I just think around the league, just as a blanket statement, coaching is massively important. As people watch the NFL games, casual fans, they tend to focus in on players. And, and teams in general, they're fantasy-driven. They're looking at the quarterbacks or running backs or the number one wide receiver. And I think pe- too many people gloss over the importance of coaching. All right. Well, so since it is, since the answer was coaching, let me I lied. Let me one more question before we get to your season wins. Are you as horrified as an analytics guy uh, by what you see from Dan Campbell in Detroit and maybe specifically comments from David Culley with the Houston Texans this past week? Um, yeah, I, I sadly I'm not surprised, uh, but yes, it's it's pretty gross. The fact of the matter is, you know, I, I get these coaches. They try to after the fact say, oh well, we wanted to try some things. We were looking to do a couple of different things. Dan Campbell is not the offensive coordinator. Okay, Dan Campbell is the guy who's going to say, let's go for it or let's not. So he's not the one actually calling those second and third down pass plays that are rollouts that, you know, oh yeah, let's talk to the office quarter real quick on the headset and tell them, let's go ahead and give some passing chances here so I can see more. No, like you need to, then he comes back and says, well, we were trying to win the game, obviously. Well, no, you really weren't trying to win the game. If you understood strategy, he should have been there in the guy's headset saying, run the ball. We got to win this game and, and shorten it. But I just think in general, there are far too many coaches that think they know what they're talking about. The same thing with some of the comments from Ron Rivera as well. Uh, but the reality is they are probably going to make these same types of mistakes during the regular season. They're blaming it on looking at things in the preseason. Just wait till you see the regular season. I bet we're going to see some of those same things happen. Uh, talking to Warren Sharp, everybody, at Sharp Football on Twitter, one of the great football follows there is. And there, by the way, the host of the Sharp Edge. Welcome to Warren Sharp's World, uh, available where all uh, podcasts are distributed. Um, Warren, let me ask you, uh, season win total overs, what are your favorites? Let's start with the positivity <laughs> yeah it's good we got to sprinkle some positivity in here it's early in the morning uh for you guys out there look a team that i think um has a high win total but i'm not going to be deterred from going ahead and dabbling here uh, was the san francisco 49ers and one of the big reasons for me is a kyle shanahan when he's working with a number one quarterback has shown that he can deliver results the issue is he's seven and 27 when he doesn't have his starting quarterback out in san francisco uh, now you have 1a 1b i think to start the season jimmy g is your 1a but jimmy g doesn't give you a high enough ceiling to march all the way through and win the Super Bowl against some of these bigger, better teams that exist in the NFL right now. So you're eventually going to transition to 1B, who Trey Lance is going to give you that higher ceiling. But the floor that Jimmy G enters the season with is substantially higher than Trey Lance. You need to knock out some of these wins early on your schedule. That's the way I see the quarterback rotation going. But, Gil, the only team to rank top 10 in I have a custom analytic, we've discussed it many times, early down success rate. It doesn't just look at success rate on early downs. It's looking more so at bypassing third downs. 
or forcing offenses into third down when you're on defense. The only team to rank top 10 both offense and defense last year was the San Francisco 49ers, despite the fact that they didn't have Jimmy G in there for most of the, the time. So I love the quarterback redundancy that they have, that they can fall back on Trey Lance if they need to. I like the fact that they can pivot to him later in the season to get a higher ceiling. I think we're going to have some better schedule regression. Um, if you look at the difficulty of past defenses that Kyle Shanahan's offenses have faced since he's been in San Francisco, it's been brutal. It's been one of the most difficult schedules of any team in the NFL. Right now, I show them playing the 26th most difficult schedule of past defenses, so it should be much easier on their quarterbacks as well. And there's some other reasons, but I do think San Francisco, if I'm going to take a team that has a high total, I think this is a team everybody's talking about the Rams uh, but I like the 49ers coming out of that division. And and totally agree with you about the fact that you you got to bank those wins early. If you're a team like the Niners that's trying to win a Super Bowl, you can't mess with Lance the first few games at the very least, right? Get Jimmy G in there, make sure you get the wins banked, and then maybe go from there and, and do things differently. So San Francisco, even at 10.5, do you like it? Obviously, 10 would be better if you could find that, but 10.5, you'd even play it? Yeah, I would. I mean, look, I always like to adjust my unit sizing based upon what I'm risking. And, and so, obviously, depending upon what your half a win is worth and where you can shop that, then, yes, I, w- I would definitely prefer 10. But taking 10 and a half at plus money, um, you know, you scale down how much you're risking on that a tiny bit. I, I think that there's some edge there. All right. Of course, the Niners open up at the Lions on September 12th and then follow up at the Eagles the following week in week two. All right. San Francisco over one more over or maybe even two more, whatever you got here. What's the next over? Um, Well, I actually, one that I want to make sure that we dig into a little bit, Gil, is is the Saints. And I don't like them over. They're they're actually an underplay for me. But I do want to discuss some of the logic as to why, because I think it's, it's pretty interesting the way that I am coming to this. Okay, the, the simple answer is, well, they don't have Drew Brees anymore, and so they're likely to regress. Well, why are they going to regress? Well, here's like the snowball's direction as to how things fall apart, even if your quarterback play is somewhat reasonable. Okay, it's going to start with the play calling because on early downs with Drew Brees, Sean Payton had a ton of confidence to throw the football. And regardless of who the quarterback is going to be, there is going to be less confidence in them throwing the football. Thus, they're going to run the ball more on early downs. And you and I both know what happens when you run the ball more on early downs. It's impossible to produce the same amount of efficiency to bypass as many third downs and to get yourself into third down and short when you need to uh, as frequently. So you're going to wind up in more third downs, and you're going to wind up in third downs that have a longer average yards to go. What this is going to mean is that whoever the quarterback is is going to be in more obvious passing situations. They're not going to be able to execute nearly as well on those third downs. They're not going to have as high of a conversion rate. They are going to take more sacks and they are ultimately going to turn the ball over more often than Drew Brees did. And the result of more turnovers and more sacks and worse performance on third down inevitably is going to make this offense, in my view, significantly less efficient than it was at any point in time during Drew Brees' season, even last season when Drew Brees wasn't throwing the ball down the field quite as often. And I think that just has a ripple effect 
throughout the team. And that's why I think they do take a step back. I actually think the Carolina Panthers have a decent shot, you know, an outside puncher's chance of finishing number two in this division, which you can get at plus money. You can bet on Carolina to finish number two in this division. So if you, if you do want to like push me in the corner and ask for another over, that might be a team that I'd be (laughs) interested in dabbling with. But I I think the saints will take a slight step back here. um, And that'll open the door to somebody else in that division. And I think that that's where Carolina could end up slipping in there um, if they have a great season and if Sam Darnold ends up working out for him. So to be determined, we haven't even seen him in the preseason. Yet. Yeah, to be determined for sure. Yeah, we were just talking about that last night on Primetime Action, which I do with Matt Brown and Kelly Bidlin on MSG+. Plus. Like, what is what is the Carolina leash, do you think, on a guy like Sam Darnold? In other words, uh, the depth chart is with P.J. Walker and with uh, Will Greer as well. Uh, not be, uh, Yeah, and so you, you really do wonder what um, – you know, is it is it five weeks where they go half a season? And, and you know, what is your sense of that with the newly acquired Sam Darnold this offseason? Yeah, I just I just think that their direction, they chose to, hey, we're not going to roll out a quarterback. What we're going to be doing is we're going to be, you know, in the draft. We're going to be going with attacking through free agency, and we're going to be going up and grabbing a quarterback who has had arguably – the worst coaching in his career. If you remember when Sam Darnold was drafted, he was the youngest player to make a week one start at quarterback in NFL history. He did not have Adam Gase as his first year coach. It was a different staff, but his offensive coordinator was a guy named Jeremy Bates. And his strat I mean, he's not even coaching right now. His strategies were horrible. And then to have to go from Jeremy Bates to Adam Gase, I mean, talk about like just not even a, a positive upgrade there. Adam Gase was horrific as well. And I think they said, look, we like some of his traits coming out of college. We're scouting him again. We think we can fix him a little bit. I think the leash is going to be somewhat long. The Carolina Panthers aren't going anywhere, in my opinion, um, with PJ Walker. Like I, I don't see PJ Walker as like all oh, the guy that they think could take them and be potentially their franchise quarterback. This is their potential franchise quarterback, Sam Darnold. If Sam doesn't work out, they're drafting a quarterback in the next draft, in my opinion. So they want to give him as long as the leash as possible. This is just my pure speculation to see what he can do with this offense and to get experience. That's why I do actually wish that he played in the first preseason game. I need to see him with live reps. I want to see him make those adjustments at the line of the scrimmage, be able to read the defense so that then they can go back on film. It doesn't have to be perfect. It's still the first preseason game. Make these corrections in film study with the staff under live fire, right? Like, and you don't get that when you're just walking through and doing things in training camp. Um, So I really hope that they get him a little bit more live experience soon. Yeah, and uh, so, okay, so over on San Francisco, under on the Saints, uh, Carolina may be a second-place wager on them in the uh, in the NFC South. Uh, I won't hold you to another season win total. Um, and by the way, there's one last thing about Carolina. There is the Deshaun Watson thing that's out there. That's also part of, a, you know, again, very abstract, uh, but just that's also sort of lurking in the background Maybe not at the beginning of the season, maybe halfway through the season. We have no idea what's going to happen with Deshaun. But Carolina, one of the few possible landing spots. So that's also, uh, you know, a a layer to that as well. Last thing here, Warren, because we only have a couple minutes. Uh, Is there another bet? It doesn't have to be a season win total, but is there something else out there that you love? 
Um, you know, look, I, I'll, I'll say this. I've been writing these articles for NBC Edge and, and doing videos for them, which I love getting some videos out there and posting them on, on my Twitter and, and, and on their Twitter accounts. And walking through the win total market, there just isn't nearly as much value this season as I found in years past. Um, I think the odds makers, there were a couple of bets that they jumped in front of early to reduce some team totals that I would have clearly screamed out, this is regression spots in a number of categories, and I want to look to bet the under. And so I'm just worried that there are other bettors out there that might have looked at those and said, oh, well, this team screams regression and bet the under, much like they did for the Green Bay Packers of 2020, whose 2019 season screamed that they should have regression off of a 13-win season, but the line that the oddsmakers posted was very short, and of course they went over that again. Um, I'm actually turning my uh, focus now a little bit more into kind of the team prop market. Um, sorry, the player prop market. I do see some opportunities there. Um, I just have to get all of my ducks in a row with, you know, trying to talk to some of the uh, people that I work with around the league and, and get on the right page there. Um, but I do think one, I'll just toss out to you. I think there's some edges for a guy like Gerald Everett in Seattle who was handpicked uh, to come over there um, as a tight end with their new offensive coordinator. And I think there's a lot of upside. I think his touchdown mark is four. I think he could exceed four touchdowns. It's tricky to bet over uh, player props in a 18, uh, sorry, 17 game season, just with the injuries in the longer season. But he's the type of guy I think that will mesh really well with Russell Wilson and what their new OC is looking to do in the red zone and could exceed four receiving touchdowns. All right, Warren, uh, the sharp edge from NBC sports. Welcome to Warren sharps world. Uh, of course, the 2021 football preview, the sharp football analysis, 2021 football preview, all that information at sharp football, anything else we're leaving out here as we go to break the ringer NFL show. Of course, what else? Consultant to NFL teams. What else do you do, Warren? I think you covered it, Gil. Okay. Great talking to you as always. My man, <laughs> Warren Sharp, everybody, kind enough to join us this morning. At Bed 365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar, whether it's a walk off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month no matter what kind of entertainment you love addicted to true crime catch killer cases and more spine tingling shows on a e crime central crave adventure explore asian action movies on hayah searching for something extreme check out skating snowboarding and more on fuel tv plus the global home of action sports and find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's hit nation playlist there's new free shows and movies to love every week say free this week in your xfinity voice remote
We bring in Drew Dinsick from NBC Sports, Bet the Edge Pod, and the Deep Dive Podcast. You can follow him on Twitter at whale underscore capper. Drew, how you doing, man? Looking good. Thanks. You too. Welcome back, man. It's Thank been a you. while. Been a while. Yeah. Well, let's start there. So I'll start with the Jaguars question. Does any of that make you want to take a nibble on the Jags? We might have to go into the numbers game time machine here. Go back in time to when the Colts signed Carson Wentz mm-hmm. and find that clip of when I said, this makes me want to bet the Jaguars. Yes. And honestly, this makes me want to wait and probably bet the Colts. I mean, I think I think there is a, an upside here ultimately for the Colts if they take this opportunity to kind of rethink their strategy at quarterback. Uh, obviously, if they go with Eason, forget about it. If they stick with their current roster, forget about it. But there's some very you know serviceable quarterbacks out there uh, who are currently second on depth charts, namely uh, you know Marcus Mariota, and, you know namely Gardner Minshew in division. Um, and uh, you know, similarly, Tarod Taylor may be available in division if it turns out Watson can play six, you know, 17 games. Um, and uh, we haven't even talked about Jimmy Garoppolo, who looks like he may be losing the quarterback battle in San Francisco. So there is mm. there is kind of a wide range of available quarterbacks through trade that I think would have been an upgrade over what you were going to get from Carson Wentz this season. And I, I mean, I'm. I got personally burned so many times betting on the Eagles last year, sort of in that middle stretch of the season where I thought like, okay, they, they're getting a little healthier. If Wentz can, you know, he's going to get, he's getting a little better protection. The wide receivers are coming back. The tight ends are still there. The, you know, the, the offense is still the same and it just never clicked with him. He made game changing, losing plays in the red zone so regularly uh, that when they finally pulled the switcheroo with that and put Hertz in there, like my initial reaction was, you know, what were the, why didn't the coaches do this sooner? Hertz was so obviously the better quarterback of those two options uh, just because he wasn't making the, the, just the, the game ending game, losing negative plays. So I think ultimately this is, um, you know, this has potential to give the Colts a, a chance to redo things and maybe do it better. Um, but uh, the Jaguars were a play for me when they were about 11 to one. And there are some places out there. I feel like you can still find it in the 12 to one range. Yeah. Um, Hasn't I, really I, moved dramatically. Yeah. It, yeah. And you know, and when I made the play it was pre-draft, I'm, you know, there are two things I was thinking were, well, the Colts made the wrong decision trying to solve their quarterback issue. The Titans are going to be way worse than people expect this season because they lose art Smith and they, uh, you know, they have a huge humongous issues with um, uh, the way that this offense is going to be conceived, especially if they lean on Derrick Henry, who's two years in a row of 400 plus touches. So, you know, this is, this is not spelling good things for the top of the board in the AFC South. So somebody's got to win this division. Why not the long shots? They're going to take Trevor Lawrence. They have a bunch of other draft capital. I wasn't super thrilled with how they use their other draft capital. I haven't been super thrilled about anything uh, that urban Meyer has done so far in his era as head coach. So I'm holding the ticket on the Jags at 11 to one when the South and I don't feel great about it all of a sudden. So I'm kind of hoping the Colts do something cool. And you know, I I really have eyes for Marcus Mariota for this team. I feel like that would be the best fit. You know who would have been fabulous. Jacoby Brissett would have been fabulous, but he's he's away now. He's a, he's a Dolphin Patrick. Yeah, Ryan Fitzpatrick would have put would have would have put this team in contention for yeah. uh, for an AFC South. So, Jason, yeah, there's yeah. Jason just whispered in my ear. Andrew Luck would have been awesome. Uh, <laughs> true as well, of course. Johnny Unitas falls comes to mind as well. So, uh, last thing about this, and I just try to think outside of the box. There are some markets 
where you you can see some books have markets best record record of the regular season, worst record of the regular season. So I'm always thinking, but apparently the books are thinking as well. That's the problem with this racket. DraftKings pulled the worst record market yesterday before I could get to it or before I could even cite the the number. I know our buddy Jason Weingarten has a 200 to one on the Colts with the worst record. I'm not sure why he bet that when he did, but he did. What number would it take for you when it does return to bet that? Is there even an inkling there where that could be something you'd pull a trigger on? Well, I I think I think Spreadopedia bet it because he probably feels about wins the way I feel about wins, yeah. which is that he could drive this team into the ditch. But uh, you know that I, at this point, there's probably not a number um, just because. Uh, I mean, you know, I, I would take 200 to one if sure. you take that again. Of course, um, but uh, they're probably going to reopen that in like the 50 to one range. I would imagine. Yeah. yeah, maybe 25 to one even. So it's, it, I think the value is probably lost there. I, but and honestly, the Colts have enough amazing pieces outside of the quarterback and on this team in general. And are they pieces that you want to win in the NFL in 2021? Not really. <laughs> you know, do you really want one of the best guards in football? Do you really want, you know, one of the best defensive, you know, three technique guys in football? Not really. Like, you know, like these are kind point. of the, yeah. these are kind of the positions that, you know, that are, are sort of gravy as opposed to really where you want your blue trip chip guys located on the football field. Uh, and you know, there, there's, there's, there's promise in the wide receiving core. There's talent in the secondary. There's talent at the linebacker position for these guys. They have the potential to produce an edge rush. Um, and yeah, they, they should be able to be a consistent team. That's in every game with a coach. You know, they have, they have a top five coach in my opinion, and Frank Reich, and he not, not just top five in terms of scheme and, and, you know, ability to sort of manage a team, but, uh, you know, what he does in game decision-making is among the best in the NFL. In my opinion, he's, he knows when to go for it. He knows when to, uh, you know, to cut his losses. And I think he's. Uh, he's shown the ability to really kind of be the guy to steer a ship. And, uh, you know, even if the Colts have a terribly under impressive season this season, I mean, Frank Reich is clearly the answer at head coach for the Colts and he'll, he'll get them some extra wins. He'll get them some covers. And, you know, I, I guess my general temperature at this point is I hope that the market overreacts to whatever the Colts do and that there's some betting value on them. Cause I, I think there's a potential upside here with Wentz going down. Always a step ahead. That's what you got to be uh, in sports betting. So, okay. Um, pretty thorough about the AFC South. Let's just go division to division. We don't have to do all of them, but we'll try to get as many as we can rapid fire here. And just your, and I won't confine it to season wins. I won't confine it to win the division, whatever you think might be the best bet per division. Let's start with the AFC East. Um, is there a team angle that you love more than any other? Man, the AFC East is tricky because I think ultimately the Bills are the clear choice. Uh, however, the way that they start their season, uh, I think you could probably do better if you wait a little bit than you fire away into a minus 150 right now for them to win the South. So I'm going to I'm going to um, plan my market entry on the Bills till about you know, maybe maybe after week five. They play the Chiefs week five. You know, I don't know that they have enough firepower to beat the Chiefs. They'll be in that game. Um, but I feel like, uh, you know, they have a tough, tough ask to go down to Miami week two, play in the heat. Uh, they have a tough ask week one. I mean, uh, you don't, you don't want to play the Steelers early in the season when they're fully healthy. You know, that's going to be a much closer game than the market thinks. In my opinion, I'm happily, you know, good, probably end up taking whatever the biggest point spread we get for the Steelers in that one. Uh, and so, you know, I, I can see a little bit of an underwhelming start for this team and you can, I could see the, uh, the price drift 
down a bit for this Bills team because teams like the Patriots have a really soft start to their schedule. Teams, mm-hmm. uh, you know, even even the the Dolphins, if they get that head-to-head win week two, um, you know, all of a sudden, you know, they're probably favorites to win the uh, the AFC East, and I think you pounce on the Bills there. So I'm I'm being a little tentative, being a little a little uh, uh, patient on the AFC East, waiting for a Bills price that I think is fair. This is such a great point, though, and we need to stop here and just seize on it for one second. What you just said. I used to be, and I used to talk about it a little bit on air and on the podcast, on the Beating the Book podcast. I used to participate in this off-the-grid, quite frankly, not-above-board, uh, <laughs> dynamic NFL season win totals um, stock market thing that used to adjust every week. And this was before sports books offered adjusted season win totals. Now they do. Like we take it for granted that, oh, yeah, DraftKings will p- keep posting, uh, you know, uh, adjusted season win totals as the season progresses. But three, four years ago, they didn't do this. Sure. And what that exercise taught any one of us who was participating uh, more than anything was exactly what you just said, which is we can talk ad nauseum about these bets here before the season starts. But there is a you know there are, there is such a strategic value in analyzing the schedule and waiting for the optimal time to make a bet on a certain team buy low sell high it is just like any other market and i think we have to drive that point home as much as humanly possible and then you also have to be prepared that if your strike price doesn't happen let's say the bills were to beat the chiefs just to use your example you have to be okay with just letting it go you, you nailed it, <laughs> nailed it, nailed it. Yes, you do not. There is more you, we're, where you're paying a VIG to make any of these bets. And there is inherently value in not making the bet uh, just on that basis. And so the, the idea of waiting for a specific price, considering the sequencing of some of these team schedules, and if it doesn't manifest, it doesn't manifest. That is that is kind of 101 in my futures yep. portfolio philosophy right now. And it goes towards pretty much everything I would tell, tell anyone in sort of as you consume season long previews, people will make pitches or, you know, they'll have, you know, be bullish on team X, Y, or Z, you know, like I, you absolutely have to think of it much more in the context of, okay, well, I'm going to try to corner this market over the course of the season. If you get the high point on five, four or five teams in the AFC, namely Bill's uh, Browns, Ravens, Chiefs, and you know one other one. Pick your favorite of the uh, uh, of the remaining teams. There, you want you want to pick the high point on those five or you know five teams in the AFC. You'll you will do a, a negative hold. Oh yeah, if you get them at the right time, for and sure. That, that that's the name of the game. You do, you do not want to you do not want to be staring at your your futures uh, in divisional weekend and saying, oh my god, I got to hedge myself out of these positions because if this team wins, I lose all of these. Right? I mean, like that's that is that you know that's that's kind of the approach I feel like you have to take if you're going to take the you know play the futures market seriously. Nothing more valuable will be stated here today. Seriously, uh, let's try to get through the other two AFC divisions, the AFC North. Same sort of open-ended question, uh, whatever market, what do you think is the best bet on the board? Are you bullish on the Browns? Are you bearish on the Steelers? Where do you stand on everything? Uh, Steelers are going to be a bet on team early in the season. They have a soft start to the schedule and the market is way, way, way cooler on them than is warranted considering how healthy they'll be relative to the way they finished last season. Uh, similarly, the Browns, I think are a bet on the Browns are a bet now. 
kind of a team. They play the Chiefs week one. They're live in that game. If they beat the Chiefs week one, you look at their next uh, eight games, they could be nine and one, you know, 10 weeks into the season. At that point, a Baker Mayfield MVP ticket isn't what it is today. A Browns to win the AFC, uh, the AFC ticket isn't what it is today. I don't know that I'm going so far as to say the Browns are going to win the Super Bowl, but you know, there are for sure uh, a lot of sort of longer prices are on uh, you know, around AFC around Mayfield that if this, you know, because the schedule breaks so, so clearly in their favor after week one, uh, that I think you have to get some Browns exposure. Now, I don't think you're going to, I think those prices are only going one way. Uh, and it's a team that's deep, you know, they have resilience. They're not relying. You're not, you're not, you're not even counting on Baker Mayfield taking a meaningful step forward. And this team's going to be able to win games just the way that they're coached and the way that they're rostered. Uh, and I think people are overlooking the depth factor and the fact that they're a little resilient to injury. And I guess, even though I love everything about what the Ravens do as an organization, effectively, I'm saying fade the Ravens. Uh, mm-hmm. and some of that is, you know, I'm not actively fading them. I'm not attacking the wins market under things like that. I think ultimately they'll be in the conversation at the end of this season. Uh, I just, I don't love the way that the middle of their schedule looks. It's there's, there's going to be a, a point here where they go Cleveland, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, green Bay. Uh, then they get Cincinnati Rams, Pittsburgh to wind things down. I mean, they're going to be battle tested come playoff time. They may be a good bet, uh, but this is a team that I think only gets into the playoffs as a wild card. I have a very tough time constructing a path to victory for them for the AFC North. Uh, so I think of the prices that are out there now, uh, Browns to win the AFC North, I think is a fair play of plus 150. And then again, AFC, I got them at a pretty, uh, pretty reasonable price that I think is going to come in pretty quickly, especially if, if, if the Browns beat Cleveland uh, week one, then, you know, you've captured an enormous amount of equity right there. And I do think they're alive in that game. If the Browns beat the chiefs game one. Yeah. Uh, yes. Same thing. Yes. AFC West, obviously dominated by the chiefs. Uh, Patrick Mahomes saying out loud, yeah, I think we can go 20 and 0 or whatever it is. He wasn't even, he wasn't even sure and really counted up the regular season and postseason games. Um, what's the best bet on the board right now in the AFC West as you see it? Yeah. I want to be cold on this chiefs team. I want to say that the super bowl hangover is going to be real and they're going to feel it and they're going to underwhelm and they're going to come in below expectations. Uh, and this team is, you know, is primed for some, some overdue regression. Um, I don't have a strong reason to say that considering the way that this roster is constructed Beside the fact that they still have, you know, huge question marks on defense. Um, but the way that their schedule is sequenced is not really favorable in terms of getting off to a good start for the season. Uh, you know, you start out with uh, Cleveland and Baltimore back to back. You got the chargers week three. That's a live offense that can go score for score with you. You got Buffalo week five. That's a live offense that can go score for score with you. So, you know, four of your first five games are going to be, you know, coin flip dogfight type of games. And if your team is at all resting on their laurels, is it all kind of, you know, of the mindset of the chiefs that we saw down the home stretch of last season, which was, ah, we'll figure out a way to win this at the end. Ah, we don't need to win with margin. We don't need to put these games away. You know, we can let teams back into it. Like if that's still sort of the mindset and the the way that this team is operating on a game to game basis, then the chiefs might find themselves in a little bit of a hole early in the season. Uh, The schedule completely flips for them after week five. So I think uh, realistically the chiefs, you have to be patient uh, and you fire away on some, you know, Mahomes MVP, some chiefs. AFC, maybe even some Chiefs Super Bowl after week five. Yeah, and remember that was the theme about the Chiefs last year. It's like they're lollygagging through all these games and we were worried, is that a thing or are they just not caring? 
Well, we saw how the season ended anyway. By the way, 6-1 to one on the Broncos to win the West at 25-1 to one on the Raiders at DraftKings. Wow. Interesting. Uh, all right, let's talk about uh, the National Football League and the National Football Conference. We did this kind of in the AFC last week. You and I were kind enough to, you know, we, we went through every division, and we didn't really go team by team. I just sort of left it like, okay, what's the best bet in this division, whether it's a season win total, whether it's a, you know, to win a division future, whatever the case may be. And let's start in the NFC East, obviously a division where the uh, winner has changed hands for, man, uh, better part of two decades now year yeah. after year after year not quite two decades but since the early aughts if you will Washington obviously being the uh, defending champ um Washington Dallas the Giants and the Eagles Dak Prescott obviously coming back for the Cowboys we'll see what shape he's in post uh, traumatic injury those are the two teams at the top of that division largely considered by the markets and there's the Giants a lot of handicappers that you and I know high on the Giants not sure if you're on that page and then there's the Eagles a lot of question marks obviously with Jalen Hurts there uh what's the best bet on this board is it a season win is it a division is it an NFC what is it yeah, I honestly, I think you have to stay away from this one entirely for now. This one is one that I think um, you're, you're not going to capture any meaningful value betting into this division market today uh, or any day before the season starts. And the reason is the schedule for all four of these teams within division is incredibly backloaded. I think, um, uh, you know, you have six, obviously you have six division divisional foes on your 17 game schedule. Um, and for the most part, I think all four teams play five of their six games in the, in the waning weeks of the season, um, Washington football team, great example. Their last five games are Dallas, Philly, Dallas, Philly giants, you know, so that right there, that tells you that, um, you know, the way to play this division is, you know, wait, 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 and then we'll shoot for a long shot. Once we kind of understand health, once we understand, you know, what path to victory is for a couple of these teams, like around Thanksgiving and I, and realistically in my gut, Washington should be closer to the favorite here. Uh, I think they have the most complete team, but Washington's schedule is absolutely as difficult as you can find across the entire NFL this year, especially through the first uh, 12 weeks, they have only one game where they are a meaningful favorite and it is week two against the giants. They are three point favorites. Every other game on their schedule until you get to week 14 against Dallas, they are underdogs. And that is, I don't think that's because the market is shy on this team. It's literally just their schedule is absolutely grueling. And so I think the, you know, the, the right look here, let Washington take their lumps, let them, you know, let people kind of decide, oh, this team was the frauds we expected them to be last week and then scoop up some valuable price on them to win the NFC East come, you know, come Thanksgiving. Um, because ultimately, you know, there's, there's, there are things to like surely about the, the Washington football team relative to last year's team. I mean, they upgraded the quarterback position. They've upgraded a couple of um, you know, a couple of offensive skill positions, um, their defense, you know, it lost a couple of pieces, but not enough that you would think that they take a humongous step backwards. Um, but 
last year's schedule for Washington was relatively soft. And last year they caught a lot of teams by surprise because, you know, they were able to play relatively safe football with Alex Smith behind center. And it's going to be a very different kind of offense and a very different look from this team this year. And I don't see them being able to go out there and go score for score with teams like Buffalo teams, like Kansas city teams, like green Bay, all of which they play in the first seven weeks. Uh, so it's going to be pretty, um, it's going to be pretty important. I think to wait on a team like the Washington football team. And then the rest of the teams in this division, I don't think have realistic shots of making the playoffs. If they don't win the East, I think the Eagles really are struggling, struggling, struggling right now to find their offense. Um, every report out of camp has been, you know, even the ones that are trying to be glossy and positive have been uh, pretty disappointing. Um, similarly, the giants under Jason Garrett are never a team that I'm running to the window to back. Uh, this is, you know, I, I, the marriage between Garrett and, and Daniel Jones and expecting that to somehow manifest, uh, you know, 25 to 30 points a game is absolutely insane in my mind. So, you know, the giants are going to have to get it done with defense. And now if you're going to tell me that we're going to look up halfway through the season and everybody consensus is going to say the giants have a top 10 defense, I would entirely buy into that. I think this defense is very, very, very talented. Uh, they don't have any obvious holes to me. I think the coordinator is worth, uh, you know, giving a lot of credit to, um, but Jason Garrett in this giants offense is going to struggle to score points this year. And if they turn over the ball, if they give away, uh, you know, fumble sixes, pick sixes, you know, free points on, you know, to the opposing team's defense. And this giants team is not going to win very many football games. And similarly, this Cowboys, I know that they invested a ton uh, in the, you know, in the draft in trying to be able to be a better run stopping unit. And I think that ultimately that gets them to sort of the Mendoza line of how good your defense is. Like it's, it's not so bad that you don't have a chance to win a game. Um, but this team is going to find themselves in a lot of deficits and they're going to have to throw their way back in. That's going to require the offensive line staying perfectly healthy. It's going to require Dak Prescott giving us his best that we've ever seen him give him. Uh, and so I think ultimately the Cowboys are a team that you're going to want to maybe play live at halftime. If they're, you know, if they have a deficit play live in games, if they're down a touchdown, because you know, they're going to be able to stop the run effectively enough that it'll give them a chance in games, but they're not going to run away from anyone in this league because the defense can be passed on. So these are all flawed teams in my eyes. And uh, realistically, we're not going to know who's coming through with the fourth seed in the NFC until uh, after Thanksgiving. Yeah. I mean, so much good in there. The Cowboys, maybe a, maybe a halftime bet on team. Uh, but, but again, the, the biggest point I think, and we talked about this last week and I just, it, it, we can't stress it enough. You don't have to bet that it's, it's a new day in betting. You don't have to <laughs> bet these things at the beginning of the season. There are no extra points for being a hero, especially with the way these particular teams, the NFCs, the way their schedules are stacked. There's probably an NFC East bet to be made way down the road. And again, that Washington yeah. schedule, as you point out, it's brutal early, you know, chargers at home at Buffalo, uh, at Kansas city at green Bay. I mean, there's tons of games on Tampa Bay, Seattle. Yeah. I mean, on and on and on, but this is how they close. And this is the quirkiest thing ever in the history of NFL schedules, Dallas <laughs> at Philly at Dallas, Philly. Like it just never yeah. happened. And by the way, the giants after that, it's never happened before that you play. It, it's always rare to see a team play another team twice in a three week span, let alone it happening twice back to back like that. And that's what Washington has anyway. Uh, Always a good answer when the answer, by the way, sometimes the best bets are the bets not made. And so that's a very sort of disciplined way to look at the NFC yeah. East, at least at this point. Keep your powder season. dry. Yeah. 
Absolutely. NFC North. We will have Aaron Rodgers in the NFC North with the Green Bay Packers. Obviously, it's a Packers-Vikings division with with apologies to the Andy Dalton-led Bears. At least that's what they're letting you know. Matt Nagy has decided to tell us that's what's going to happen at the beginning of the season with the Bears. And then there's the Lions, who could be epically bad. How do you see this? Best bet. (laughs) I mean, I think the market is too cold on the Lions, but that doesn't mean go run out and bet them to win this division. Um, I, ultimately, the Lions have a couple of strengths. Their offensive line looks strong. Um, their defensive secondary should take a meaningful step forward because they got a lot of youth. They have now a good defensive coordinator to kind of coach those guys up. So I think Lions are going to be in more games than you think. And if you're getting, you know, if you, it's, it's going to be one of those teams where if you're betting against them, you're going to want to tease against them. Because they're gonna they're gonna lose a lot of coin flips, right? It's not this isn't gonna be a team that gets absolutely you know stomped like we have seen in years past of the teams that are truly tanking. Because guess what? They put a pretty decent infrastructure around a team that is missing a quarterback and is missing wide receivers, and so they're not gonna be able to go <laughs> score for score with teams, but yes. they're gonna be able to hang in there. Um, and so I think that's it's gonna be a fun team to bet on in general over the course of the season uh, if you're getting enough points. Similarly, I think the Bears are gonna be a super, super fun team to bet on pregame a lot of weeks because Mm -hmm. I think there is a very clear read on this team. And that is their offensive line is horrific and they have currently under center, a quarterback who cannot perform the job of quarterback when he's under duress. And so they, if they are going up against a team with a strong pass rush, the bears are going to score under 20 points. If they are going up against a team with a mediocre or poor pass rush, the bears are going to hang in there. If they're going up against a team that has a poor offensive line themselves, the bears should be able to generate pressure and dictate the game with their defense. And so this is kind of uh, you know, at least until we see what Justin Fields is and we see him get inserted into the starter role, which by the way, it looks like week four. If you ask me um, this, this is a team that has a relatively low ceiling in terms of offense. And it has, uh, it has to have sort of the right recipe in terms of who they match up against in order to get uh, uh, in order to get a win. And so I think it's, going to be a lot of fun to either pick under spots, pick uh, or pick some spots to back the bears, depending on who they match up against in, in terms of strengths and weaknesses, like the week five, the week five matchup against the Raiders looks ab- like absolutely super tasty. Like you, you could probably have the bears lose to the Rams. Maybe they struggle and get a win against the Bengals lose to the Browns. And at that point you, they pull the rug on Andy Dalton. Then it's uh, it's Justin Fields time. Uh, he has a hard fought win against a lion, a frisky lions team. And then maybe you're getting a, a reasonably, uh, you know, favorable price against the Raiders where at that point, the bears D line should dictate that game and the bear, you know, the Raiders don't have enough of a pass rush that they're going to be able to fluster Justin Fields. And, you know, they, you know, fields should go, you know, have a heyday. So, you know, there's, there's perfect spots kind of all throughout the schedule um, to back the bears. I would be fading the bears against the bucks and the Niners at any price. Uh, and I'd back the bears against the Steelers in that little three week stretch right there. Like you're probably going to get a huge price uh, with the bears against the Steelers team. And again, if they can, uh, you know, fields at that point is navigating the pocket a little bit better when it's collapsing, when the pressure's coming, then I think that team can do pretty well against the Steelers team that also has a poor offensive line. So the bears, I think, you know, I don't, I'm not running to the window to back them in the division, but I see a lot of opportunities looking at the schedule to either back or fade or look for an underspot. We uh, we came up with the exact same conclusion you did on primetime action about when Justin Fields will will be starting, and it's completely week four versus the Lions. Let the Rams clear, let the Browns clear, <laughs> yes. and then say to Andy Dalton, hey, appreciate you being in those games. And uh, Justin yeah. Fields takes over with the Lions in week four. 
Um, we'll talk a little bit about the Vikings, the Packers on top of that division, what Drew feels about that. We'll do the NFC South and the NFC West. We'll, we'll get through it. We promise you. Uh, more with Drew Ditzik from the Deep Dive Podcast and the Bet the Edge Podcast. And we'll get some tennis thoughts from him, if he has any here, in Toronto and Montreal, both the, uh, the men's and ladies tour with the Rogers Cup north of the border in a 1,000 event. Uh, we'll do that next as well, right here on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. It's a numbers game. I got my tennis picks as well, including one big dog on the way. Alexander Drew Densick, kind enough to join us this morning, at whale underscore capper. Deep Dive Podcast with Andy Molitor, Bet the Edge Podcast from NBC, NBC Sports. By the way, Drew, you referred to Jason Garrett as uh, Jason Garrett, I believe, last segment. That's a no-no. Please refer to him as coach from here on out. Oh, he, excuse he, me. He prefers that. Um, the Clapper. Yeah, the Clapper. That's <laughs> one, of, one of Lombardi's greatest nicknames ever, the Clapper. Yeah. The Clapper. Um, yep. Vikings and Packers at the top of the division. How do you see that? And I don't have a great... I don't have a great read on the Vikings at all. I know people are expecting this defense with the returning players to be like top five NFL. I'm not seeing them being that good. Um, so re- there's probably some opportunity to kind of fade that market price. Um, but ultimately, I, I don't think that I bu- I'm not buying into a Kirk Cousins led offense and uh, I'm not buying into a run first offense with this Minnesota team, considering the weakness of the offensive line. So I'm probably staying away from the Vikings entirely and just letting them kind of finish around 500 and missing the playoffs. Green Bay. Also, I'm relatively cool on their market price. Um, you know, the, right now they're in general, the market with Aaron Rodgers returning, they're, they're pricing them like they're almost as good as Tampa Bay. I'm not close to that. Uh, I have Tampa Bay as meaningfully favorite over uh, Green Bay in a head to head on a neutral. So it's I'm, I'm probably looking for opportunities to fade Green Bay. Realistically, I'm not betting into their to win the NFC price. I'm not betting into their NFC North price because week five through week 12 for them is is utter chaos. It is an absolutely brutal stretch. One of the toughest of any teams in the NFL from uh, through that middle portion of the season. Uh, And, you know, they have four of five on the road, including, you know, winding up with a game at Kansas city. Uh, Then they follow up having to play both Seattle and the Rams coming off of their buys um, and then sandwiched in the middle of game at Minnesota. So, you know, this, this, uh, Five games in seven weeks on in the in a row on the road with two home games against teams coming off their buys. You know, forget about it. That they probably emerge after think you know around Thanksgiving coming out of their buy um, somewhat underpriced at that point. If you want to grab them to win the NFC, then uh, they probably sneak in as the NFC North champions and as the three seed. Um, but then they're going to have to play a really tough wild card team at home uh, in the playoffs and then go on the road and win two playoff games just to get. To to the Super Bowl. So ultimately I'm so I'm out, I'm out on the Packers this year. Yeah, this is the way to to view the NFL here in August. It's to parse the schedule up and to and to think of different ways, strategies to bet teams, teasing against the Lions that the Bears might be a good bet on team in the weeks that we talked about. These these are the real insights that I'm looking for. NFC South uh, Tampa Bay the defending Super Bowl champions ruling the roost here, one would think. Atlanta Carolina uh, on down the line here in the NFC South as well. Um, What do you see in this division where, you know, I don't know, we will show the board here with all the bets that are available to us. Obviously the saints are in there too. And the saints now with a quarterback change, the drew the drew Brees era has ended some form of Jameis and Taysom Hill here. Um, What's the best bet on this board? or What's a strategy? 
I think our strategy really is, uh, you know, we t- when we talked about the AFC, the glowing theme, I think, is just overall strength. Not a lot of surprises, not a lot of really um, true unknowns. At the end of the day, I think in the AFC, we know who is going to be in the mix come uh, week two of the playoffs. In the NFC, that's not true. You have Tampa Bay, who, in my opinion, is clearly, clearly on a path to get the number one overall seed. And then everything else is going to shake out in a way that has lots of uncertainty and lots of, um, you know, lots of uh, uh, conditional probability. Like you need guys to hit, you need players to emerge, you need coaches to coach well. <laughs> and, uh, you know, a lot of those questions we get, we don't know the answers to yet. The Buccaneers are the one thing in the NFC that stands out as an absolute, no, no doubter. They will be in the mix. And it's on the basis of two factors. Number one, they have the deepest team in the NFC and it's not close. They bring back the entire roster last year that won the super bowl on top of now you saw that offense come together in, and get better and become Become more cohesive as the season went on. The likelihood that that carries into the season, I think, is high. And they have a very soft start to their schedule. Realistically, the first seven weeks, they probably go 7-0. Uh, I really don't see them having a tough test until you get later into this season. So betting the Bucks at this point to win the Super Bowl, win the NFC, I, and Tom Brady to win MVP, I think all those numbers come in as we go through the first half of the season. Wow. And then I guess clearly minus 190 to win the division as well. Interesting that... Uh, I, I, I like Let's go for the bigger numbers. Bigger numbers, yeah. Okay, you don't you don't want the minus one ninety. Okay, um, interesting that the Rams were not uh, not considered there to be a threat. We'll find that out next with Drew. One more segment. We'll do the NFC West. See how he feels about the Rams and get some tennis thoughts. It's a numbers game at Veasan, the sports betting network. Skill Alexander, Drew Dinsick from uh, Bet the Edge and Deep Dive podcast is here. Uh, it occurs to me, Drew, this is sh- this probably should have been a podcast uh, because it's tough to squeeze all this in on, on the radio side. First of, all, <laughs> first of all, do you bet preseason at all? Uh, you know, I have some friends that destroy some of the numbers, and if I catch wind of what those bets are, I'll play them, but I don't handicap it myself. Yeah, that's where I am. Okay, uh, anything else in the South before we get to the West? Anything else you wanted to point out? I mean, somebody in this division is going to sneak up and steal a good. Uh, they're going to they're going to surprise. They're going to win ten games. They're going to get a wild card. I'm not sure who that is. I took some shots on uh, Art Smith, coach of the year for Atlanta, because I feel like if it's Atlanta, he's going to get the lion's share of the credit for that. Um, and then you get a thirty to one instead of a you know whatever Atlanta to make the playoffs is like plus two hundred or something. You know, so you get a much better payday if Atlanta surprises. Pay, betting coach of the year than you do, um, you know, any other way of attacking that. Um, but that the rest of that, uh, somebody is going to emerge. I can't really tell you who I have good friends that think it's absolutely the Panthers. I have some people thinking that the mark of the world is sleeping on the saints. Um, I happen to think the, uh, the Falcons in just because they have an offense, I believe in are the, are the right side there. Yeah. But who knows? I don't think the world is sleeping on the saints, but, uh, some might disagree NFC West. Okay. What's notable again is how bullish you were on the Buccaneers defending Super Bowl champions. You did not. It doesn't seem like you include the Rams in that discussion. This is the best division in football, top to bottom. At least that's what the market says, and I would agree. Rams, Niners, Seahawks, Cardinals. Uh, Trey Lance will play. We don't know in what form, but he will have design plays uh, from Kyle Shanahan with the Niners. Seahawks uh, on the right side of variance, perhaps, last year. Cardinals, Kyler Murray, I don't know where you stand on him. How do you see this? Where is the best bet? And do you consider the Rams in the same stratosphere as the Buccaneers? Seahawks are on the right side of variance every year. feels like, right. It's weird. Um, Russ, but, it, that's Russell Wilson's hallmark, isn't that's, it? That's his, that's his MO. Yeah. Uh, I have some, I have some brewing hot takes on Russell Wilson. I feel like Seattle probably should have sold high on him. 
last off season, but we'll see if that comes. I to like fruition. when hot takes are brewing. I like it. Um, yeah. Cause I mean, I just, I don't, I just don't buy Pete Carroll's vision for how to play offensive football in right. today's NFL. It just doesn't jive. Similarly, the run think, drew establish I, the run. That's what I don't see it. it, man. I yeah. don't see that working. Not with this roster, not in this conference, not in this division. Um, similarly, the Cardinals, Cliff Kingsbury is not my guy. I think that both Cardinals and Seahawks are probably at risk of underachieving on the basis of coaching. Uh, and then the Rams and the Niners, I think, are going to duke this out to the to the bitter end of this season. I think this is going to be a very close division between these two teams. Uh, and at this point, preseason, again, it all comes down to schedule. The Niners got the advantage to start the season relative to the Rams. I know the Rams, you look at their first two games, Chicago and Indy, and now considering what's going on with Indy and you think, oh, well, whatever, you know, they're going to get two and oh, that Indy spot is kind of tricky. It's kind of not great. They coming off of a primetime game against Chicago at home and they got to go play an early game the next week against Indianapolis. So it's not a, it's not an ideal start to their season. And then they get Tampa Bay week three and then they get, they have a couple of very difficult back-to-backs. They got to go play Seattle. Um, in, you know, the first, uh, prime, the second home game for Seattle, big primetime spot Thursday night football week five, you know, there's some, there are some landmines for this Rams team through the first six weeks of the season, which really has me wanting to be patient and try to kind of scoop some Rams value after about week five, um, San Francisco, on the other hand, starts out with Detroit Philly on the road. They are staying at the Greenbrier in West Virginia in between oh, those two games. Very nice. That's been the secret to success for these guys. Like that <laughs> extended, that extended training camp where they all kind of get together and nobody's, you know, distracted and they're focusing on, you know, what they did week one and how to prepare for week two. You know, I'm expecting the the Niners to have a really strong start to their season. They host Green Bay and Seattle after that. They get Seattle in an advantage spot where Seattle's on the back to back, you know, second of back to back road games coming off of a game in Minnesota. So yeah, it's it's a nice start to the season in terms of, uh, you know, where they have advantages, uh, and how they match up against the teams they're playing. I think they can get out to a good four and five and start heading into their buy, uh, regardless of whether they go with Trey Lance or Jimmy Garoppolo, if they go with Trey Lance week one, which I think at this point I would make a little better than 50, 50, uh, I, that I'm all of a sudden not now I'm all in on this team because he gets a very soft landing to start his career. I think the dynamic, you know, the, the dynamic he adds in terms of his downfield passing with this offense and everything else they're good at really just differentiates them from the rest of the uh, rest of the division. And yeah, I mean, why, why be cool on the Rams? There's pretty, there's, there's, there's one reason it's uh, injury concerns. This is a very thin team. Everybody has said this. This is not a secret at this point. It's a stars and scrubs unit. Um, even a guy like Stafford, who's a clear upgrade over Goff, is subject to injuries. How many weeks have we said, man, Stafford's playing through pain? You know, I, I mean, he, he doesn't know how to avoid the hit. He doesn't know how to kind of you know, keep himself out of harm's way at times because he plays a little loose. And, uh, you know, you need Stafford to stay healthy for full 17 game season. You need Donald to stay healthy. You need Ramsey to stay healthy. You need the offensive line to stay healthy. You need every skill position player to stay healthy. Like you've already lost cam acres. You really can't afford to lose anyone else meaningful, or you're going to put replacement level players in some really important positions for this team. So the, you know, the Rams, just the way they're constructed are super fragile. Yeah. Uh, and so I think waiting and getting a little more information on, uh, you know, how healthy they are after the first opening few weeks of the season is important. I mentioned it on primetime action last night because we do 32 teams and 32 shows and we're on the Rams yesterday. And I mentioned that depth is their Achilles heel. Like that is the thing with the Rams.
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Okay, here we go. Uh, I mentioned you had 11 season win totals in college football. UCLA has already played, so we won't talk about that one. Of the remaining 10, four have sort of moved uh, through the parameters that you had given. So we have six left that are viable, still bettable, Dr. Bob season win totals. We don't have to go crazy uh, you know, long on each of these, but let's go through them relatively quickly, and let's start in the MAC with Ohio. Coaching change, Tim Albin in for Frank Solich. Yeah, you know, it's I'm not, you know, it could be a negative. It's certainly not a positive that Solich sort of had this late departure um, and that the, that the offensive corner had to take over, but I'm not going to treat it as a negative. I'll just assume everything's as it was when I started doing the analysis on this team. So they could be worse than I think, but I like the under anyway. They're under six and a half wins. Um, you know, Ohio was just, the, you know, remember they had three years of Nathan Rourke at quarterback, and this guy was one of the best. I think he got some Heisman votes. He was one of the best dual-threat quarterbacks in the nation. He better than average passer, not just by max standards, but by national standards, and ran for 1,000 yards a season. He was a very, very good quarterback. And in Nathan Rourke's final season, which he had a great year, and I think that's the year he got Heisman uh, votes, uh, Ohio was still only 6-6 six and six that year in 2019. Last year, Nathan's brother, Curtis, took over. Now, Curtis is a pretty accurate passer, and that's fine. He's not the runner that his brother was, but they have another guy that runs the ball, that comes in at quarterback and runs the ball. The problem was they looked better than they were last year. They, they ended up being 2-1 and one last year, and they outscored their opponents by 18 points a game. But in those three games they played last year, two of them were against Akron, Akron and Bowling Green, which are two of the worst five teams in the nation. So the fact that they those two teams is sort of being overlooked. Like, oh, Ohio's Ohio's Ohio, and they're going to win six or seven or eight games again. And they're going to be. I just don't think that's the case. The offense, from a you know, compensating for who they played, was worse than average last year. But the big problem was that the defense continues to be terrible. In the in the previous two or three seasons prior to last year, Ohio's defense was about a yard per play worse than average. 
after you compensate for the schedule. And last year, they only gave up five and a half yards per play, and they only gave up, what, 17 points a game. But once again, they played Akron and Bowling Green were two of their three games, and Central Michigan was the other one, who's certainly not a world beater. So they only gave up 5.5 yards per play, but those three teams would combine to average 4.6 yards per play against an average defensive team. So they were still about a yard per play worse than average. Their defense is just not good. It's not good this year. The, the offense is going to be decent by max standards, but certainly not good enough to win seven games. So I had them at 5.3 wins heading into the season. And a total 6.5, so I bet the under. Under 6.5, plus 105, the current number at BetMGM. Let's go to Texas Tech. A lot of people love Texas Tech this year. Tyler Shug coming over from Oregon. So much hype for him. Where do you stand on the Red Raiders? Well, there should be. The problem at Texas Tech, the last couple of years, and I wrote about this, some is Alan Bowman sucked. I mean, people thought he was good because he completed, you know, 68, 69% of his passes. But he, he, all those passes were short passes. And the competition he faced when he's putting all those numbers were like Stephen F. Austin or you know, these terrible teams before he got hurt. He, he, in 2019, he put up what seemingly good stats, but they were against terrible defensive teams. And then, he, and so relatively, he wasn't that good. And then Jet, he got injured, and then Jet Duffy came in, the backup quarterback. And in this offense, Jet Duffy averaged 7.2 yards per pass play, and Tech averaged 32 points a game over the eight games with Duffy at quarterback, all against Big 12 teams. That's the kind of offense Texas Tech could have with a decent quarterback. Now, Chuck is certainly better than Jet Duffy. I mean, Chuck was the starter at Oregon last year and averaged over eight yards per pass play. So this, this offense that's been mostly under Alan Bowman and then Columbia last year had to play because Bowman got hurt again and Columbia was a backup at Utah State. So the talent level of quarterback is the key here. If they can average 32 points a game against Big 12 competition with Jet Duffy at quarterback a couple years ago, their offense is going to be very good with Shuck at quarterback. If he was good at Oregon last year and the, the offense is the, the running game was good last year. It's just the, the, the pass, the yards per pass play competition was just not that good for Texas tech. It's going to be very good this year. And the thing that people don't realize about Texas tech is their defense was actually pretty good last year. They gave up 37 points a game, but they were minus nine in turnovers. The offense didn't hurt them. Didn't help them at all. You know, they gave, and there's also a lot of possessions because Texas tech runs at a fast pace. So the, the defense though, looking at yards per play, play allowed. They only gave up 5.5 yards per play to a comp to a schedule that would normally average 5.9 against an average defense. So they were actually better than average defensively last year. They have eight returning starters that added talent at defense. They've got some transfers coming in for some big some power five schools. I think the Texas Tech defense is going to be better than average again and the offense is going to be good. So I project 6.8 wins for Texas Tech and it was over five minus 165, which is basically over five and a half. And I predict 6.8. So yeah. I think the over is a good play. It's over 5 minus 165 at BetMGM. But just looking, you always got to shop around. DraftKings, over 4.5 minus 152. So even better over there at DraftKings. Yeah. Uh, that would absolutely be a play from Dr. Bob. Let's go to the AAC. SMU, SMU uh, with a lot of experience returning, 17 starters back. And even the uh, even the big holes that they needed to fill uh, that still needed to be filled, I should say, quarterback, kicker, tight end, were taken care of in the transfer portal. Uh, transfer portal, rather. So, uh, what about SMU? Knowing that as a backdrop. Yeah, you know, a couple years ago, they got um, they got Shane uh, Shane Bushell from Texas. So he was a starter at Texas, lost his job. 
uh, and then came over to a very good system that works everywhere. <laughs> you know, uh, that, that system's worked at Louisiana Tech. It worked at Cal. It's working here at SMU. Um, now they get Oklahoma, former Oklahoma backup Tanner Mordecai, and I think that's a talent upgrade at quarterback. The key to SMU being underrated, so everybody knows Mordecai is going to be good and the offense is going to be fine, but the key is that Reggie Roberson has been hurt the last two years. He's a big play wide receiver. If he stays healthy, this offense is going to be very, very good. Now, Roberson in the last two years has caught passes for 1,177 yards. He's averaged 12.4 yards per target, not 12.4 yards per catch, 12.4 yards per target. When Roberson is healthy, this offense is great. In 2019, the pass attack was 1.7 yards per pass played better in the seven games with Roberson than the six games without him. In last season, they were a full yard per pass played better compensated in the four games that Roberson played than the six games without him. When Roberson is healthy, this offense is another level. And as long as he's healthy, and I guess who knows, he's been hurt the last two years, but they averaged... 42 points in 2019 and 39 points last season with Roberson playing about half the games. They, if he plays the whole season, their offense is going to average over 40 points a game. And their defense was actually only 0.2 yards per play worse than average on a national scale last year. And they return enough stars. They should be about the same this year. But the key is Roberson. If this guy's healthy, he's a future NFL player. And with Mordecai quarterback, the offense is going to be unstoppable. I just think SMU is an underrated team for that reason. And, and I projected uh, 8.2 wins, and it's a 6.5 minus 140. Uh, I think it might have gone down a little bit, so I think that's a good over. Yeah, over 6.5 minus 120 at BetMGM. Again, shop around for all of these. Uh, let's go to Middle Tennessee. Not exactly the sexiest uh, of college football programs, uh, but... Uh, with a coach intact for many years and a team that won a lot of close games last year, as I recall, um, three wins, well, not a lot of games, but three wins were by six points or fewer. The difference, again, between three and six and five and four, five points basically the other way in close losses. So they're a team that ha- that thrived on winning the close ones. Where do you stand on the Blue Raiders of Middle Tennessee State? Well, the last two years, I mean, this is a team, like you said, that coach has been there forever, Stockdale, and, and he had, I mean, he must have had eight or nine years in a row where they had winning records. And then they had, the last two years have been bad. The defense has been the big issue. They just haven't been able to stop any of injuries. There's been a little bit of lack of talent, et cetera. The, the, Scott Schaefer, the defensive coordinator, has proven that he can put together good defenses. He's got 10 returning starters, some added talent. I just think the defense can't possibly be as bad as it's been the last two years. And I think the offense is is going to be better. They got nine returning starters on offense. They added former NC State starter Bailey Hoffman. They haven't been announced as the starter yet. Um, but I do think Hawkman is going to end up winning that job. And if he doesn't, that means the other quarterback, Cunningham, has really improved, and, and you know, he was the backup last year. So either way, the quarterbacking is going to be better this year, and, and the defense can't, be, can't possibly be as bad as it was last year. And reports are that the defense has played a lot better in camp than they have in recent years, and there's a lot more depth, et cetera. So I just think they're just, they, they're just going to be so much better defensively and the offense, I think, is going to be upgraded with Hawkman. And the rest of CUSA, I think, is down. I just think it's an overrated conference in general. I think even though I don't think this team is a good team, 
I just think they're good enough to win. They're, I have them favored in six games. They played Monmouth. It's actually a decent team by MCS standards. I'm, I'm betting the season. Yeah, I'm betting Monmouth plus seven and a half. Yeah. yeah, I just think that's the one I'm actually worried about. because yeah. you know? I think they should be favored in that game, but not by a lot. So if they get past Monmouth, that's the key because they'll beat UConn, and they got a lot of a lot of conference USA teams that they're better than. I project six point two wins, and it's over five. So I think it's a pretty good bet. And you and I did not talk about that the Monmouth uh, Middle Tennessee State game. But I am I am that's my favorite. College football better the weekend, FCS versus FBS, taking the seven and a half I hope points. you're wrong about that one. <laughs> <laughs> I know you do. Uh, two more season win totals from Dr. Bob coming back on a numbers game at VEASAN and his thoughts on week one right here, the Sports Betting Network. Dr. Bob is with us uh, at Dr. Bob Sports is where you can follow him on Twitter just to review the four season win totals uh, that he uh, has already uh, given out on the show. Ohio under. Uh, under six and a half plus 105. I want to give him in the order that he gave him. Texas Tech, uh, he likes the over on the Red Raiders. Uh, four and a half, we saw. Four and a half minus 152 at DraftKings. So even better uh, there than other places. SMU over six and a half minus 120. And then Middle Tennessee State, he likes over four and a half minus 135. Couple more here, Bob. Uh, San Diego State. You are bullish on the Aztecs. Yeah, you know, here's a team that consistently has a great defense every single year. Not just great by players, but actually very good on the national scale. Last year, they allowed only 4.5 yards per play, and they faced teams that were, and they think BYU was part of that. I mean, they only gave up 28 points to BYU last year. That was the only team that averaged more than 5.5 yards per play against San Diego State in eight games last year. And they played San Jose State and Nevada. They played some decent Mountain West teams with good offenses. They held all of those teams to, to under 5.5 yards per play. So their defense, uh, with a ton of starters back again, should be, should be great once again. The issue with San Diego State in recent years is the offense. Last year, they, they, were, they were nearly a yard per play worse than average offensively, 5.2 yards per play against teams that normally allow 6.1 yards per play to an average FBS team. But the offense has nine returning starters back. The quarterback position has been a big problem lately. That reportedly is much improved. They have a couple quarterbacks they think that are already better than last year's starter um, who transferred out. So I, I, I think the offense will be better. I don't think their offense is going to be good by any stretch. But it doesn't have to be that good. Not, last year they went four and four, and that's why I think they're underrated a bit because they only won four. They only were 500 team last year, but they outscored their opponents by seven points a game. So they were better than their record last year. They're going to be probably just as good defensively this year, and the offense will be better. So I think they came a little bit underrated coming into the season. They have their tough games at home. I think they can beat Utah, which is a team I think is overrated. They get them at home. I don't have them favored against Utah, but there's a chance they could beat Utah at home. They also have Nevada and Boise State at home. And I think there's a toss-up game. If they win one of those three home games against a good team, they should have no problem getting seven wins. So over six and a half. It's minus, I don't know, 120, 125, or 130, somewhere in there. Um, but I had them at 8.2 wins. So I think they should get over six and a half um, pretty comfortably. 
So I bet them over. Yeah, Todd Wishnet, by, by the way, reporting that you can get Texas Tech over five at minus 130 at DraftKings over where he is in Pennsylvania. So, again, always shop around uh, for the best. What I'm quoting here is just the best that we happen to see at the moment. Uh, for San Diego State, over six and a half minus 120 seems to be right around the consensus. And, uh, Bob, Aztecs play – they still play away from campus, right, at, uh, at Dignity Health Sports Park for another season, Correct. Yeah, I believe so, okay. but I, I don't. Yeah, because <laughs> I think it was Qualcomm where they used to play, is, yeah. is, is, and they're building a new stadium, and that's a mess. But they still have a, will have their home crowd there, and the other team still has to travel. So I do think it is an advantage. And you know, if they can win one of those games, Nevada, Boise State, Utah, they'll sail over six and a half wins. I think. All right, Utah State new head coach Blake Anderson. Uh, Utah State, you are also on the over here. Yeah, this is a team that went one in five last year after a stretch of you know, decent teams in the past. They fell apart last year. The quarterbacking was just dreadful. They averaged 3.9 yards per pass play um, with three or four different quarterbacks. They were all terrible. Uh, that's not going to be the case this year. Blake Anderson comes over from Arkansas State, where he had a lot of success in seven years there building that program. He brought over one of his two quarterbacks, Logan Bonner, who's been a starter for three or four years at um, at Arkansas, Arkansas State. State. Now, yep. Bonner, yeah, Bonner was the worst of the two quarterbacks there. I think Arkansas State's offense is going to be real good now that Bonner's gone, but he's a huge upgrade for uh, for Utah State. He also brought over one of their best receivers, Brandon Bowling, from Arkansas State. So the pass attack is going to be much, much better. The defense should also be better. Nine returning starters on defense. He also brought one of his best defensive players over from Arkansas State, linebacker Justin Rice, who was first team all Sunbelt last season. So I think the defense is going to be better, better talent, better coaching, and I project 5.2 wins for Utah State. Ooh, over three and a half. Like that little uh, difference. Yeah. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.